Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. Be on the lookout as well for my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, which is being published in September 2020. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at www.cabotrisk.com. So I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Claire Chandler is the president and founder of Talent Boost, which is an organization that helps organizations scale without the growing pains. Claire has over 25 years of experience in a variety of human resource and communication roles, and we're really thrilled to have her with us today. Hi, Claire. Hi, Ed. How are you today? I am doing great. How are you? I am doing terrific. So I just butchered a introduction for you, and I'd love for you to take a minute just to tell folks a little bit more about yourself. Oh, you did just fine. You did just fine. Um, yeah, so I have spent, uh, after spending the bulk of my career in corporate America, uh, I went out on my own and uh, went into leadership and HR consulting, drawing upon what I knew um, from my corporate days. And uh, in 2013, I founded Talent Boost, which uh, really is focused on the niche of helping ambitious organizations grow, scale, and really become talent magnets uh, for the right talent to help them achieve their mission. So I am based uh, along the shore here in New Jersey, and uh, I'm looking forward to a great summer. I'm sure you are. No better place to spend a fantastic summer than the, the shores of New Jersey. Yeah, it's, it's uh, really beautiful here. You know, I always wonder about people who leave corporate and go into consulting, whether that required bravery. For some people, I think it's a no-brainer. And for others, it was a huge step of significant bravery to do it. And I'm just wondering if you could reflect for a couple of minutes on your transition from corporate to uh, consulting and whether it was easy or a significant transition for you. Yeah, uh, it's and it's such a great place to start the conversation. Um, it, it was it was certainly not an easy transition, or it or it did not come from a place of uh, an easy time for me. But the decision to to take the leap that others might have thought was was crazy, uh, or or even you know ill informed, um, was really it became kind of a no brainer for me. Um, so this was back in. 2011, I was at the time the vice president of human resources for a uh, for a large division of a quite a large company, and I was traveling all the time 
to the point where I literally, uh, you know, invested in one of those rolling suitcases that I could pack all of my my files in. Uh, we were not as quite as digitized back then, and um, you know, I was on the road three weeks out of out of every month. You know, I had a I had a great team, but we were spread out across North America, and I was going 150 miles an hour. And at the time, I was moving so fast and traveling so much and learning a lot about all of the areas of, of HR. Prior to that, I had been focused primarily on talent management. So, so this was a significant challenge for me and a, a significant um, stretch for me. And I was traveling so much and so, so busy that I kept pushing back the question and, and sort of dodging the question of, was I doing what I was passionate about? And in the spring of that year, in 2011, I was diagnosed with cancer. And so I went literally from 150 miles an hour to zero. I had to take a month off of work. I had surgery. I had follow-up treatment. I had recovery. And, you know, to the point where I literally didn't look at email for the first three weeks of my recovery, which was unheard of for me. And I had a, I had a fantastic team, you know, there was nothing that fell through the cracks, nor was I worried that that was going to happen. And I really was left in the silence, which was wonderful for me to go from 150 miles an hour to zero and spend time in quiet reflection. And it was during that period of recovery that I finally could not outrun that voice in my head that kept asking, are you doing what you're passionate about? And the answer was no. And so now that I had that answer, I had to do something with that. And, you know, I could have talked myself out of, you know, making the move that I did, but it was one of those things where I said, okay, if this is not what I'm passionate about, what is it that I am passionate about? What is it that I would rather do? And what kept coming back to me was, you know, these areas of helping leaders become I didn't call it more magnetic at the time. It's a phrase that I use quite a bit now. But I knew that I wanted to go back to a focus on leadership development and talent development and helping organizations strengthen, you know, through the through the behavior and the performance and the attributes of its leaders. And so I came back to work and uh, I had been with the company for about 15 years and I was, you know, very fortunate that they were uh, supportive. They they did not want to see me move on, but they saw that I was, uh, you know, pretty set on, you know, kind of taking my shot. And I knew it had to be then. This was 2011. I was 40 years old. And I knew that if I waited for the economy to stabilize or to get more experience or to save up more money or, you know, yada, 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 I was going to blink and it was going to be 10 years down the road, and I would have missed my window. And so I, I stayed through the summer, and I left in early fall and, uh, and went out on my own and, and just, you know, just took that leap. Wow, what a fantastic story, Claire. And first off, I hope all your medical conditions have been rectified and everything is back to normal. I, I am happy to say I am completely cancer-free now. Thank you for that. Well, fantastic. That is great to hear. And it's also interesting how oftentimes doing what feels right for us or filling that need that we need to fill takes bravery. You know, sometimes we are so caught up in going 150 miles an hour and 
title and role and house and kids and car that, you know, we feel stuck. And yet there's other things that we should be doing and want to do, you know, what some people might call our truer calling. And it's just, I just think it's just interesting that sometimes it takes bravery to do it. You know, it's, it's such an interesting observation because for me, looking back, I didn't see it as being brave. I, I truly didn't, you know, the, the, the cancer getting, getting cancer, which you don't wish on anyone. You hope you never have to go through was, was really something that was a blessing in disguise, Mm -hmm. right? Because it really did force me to recognize and to acknowledge that I wasn't where I knew I was meant to be. I loved the company. I loved the people there. I liked the fact that I was being challenged and pushed and stretched in different directions. And I think often we get on a track that starts to get momentum of its own and we stop questioning you know, whether that's really the track we were meant to be on, because we tell ourselves, well, this is where the company needs me to be, right? I'm a team player. Um, They've asked me to step up to this role, or they've asked me to, you know, accept this new challenge or or whatever the case may be. And so there's almost this, you know, you call it a, a, a true calling that a lot of us sort of drown out that voice. And I think one of the things that drowns it out, other than our own self doubt, of course, is this feeling or this this misnomer that we are following a calling of the organization because that's where, where they want us. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's an overpowering voice and it's sometimes hard to, you know, sort of counter with your own, um, your own inner voice and your own, what, what truly is your calling. Well, and I think what's also interesting is, and I'm not using you as a test case, but how oftentimes it takes some type of significant life event to stop the, journey that you're on and cause you to look at a different way, whether it might be a medical situation or a financial situation, you know, something, you know, oftentimes I hear again and again, you know, it wasn't me just waking up one morning and deciding I wanted to do something different. I have heard those stories, but, you know, oftentimes it's some type of significant type event that caused somebody to transition to another role. So how about you, Claire? You know, when you think about bravery in the workplace, what words or phrases come to your mind? Hmm. I would say the first one is doing it anyway. And what I mean by that is typically bravery requires you to knock through a wall or to face a fear or to, you know, swim against the popular tide, right? So for me, bravery is knowing that the right thing to do either you know, morally, ethically, or the right thing to do for, for yourself is often something that other people are going to say, hmm, that kind of runs counter to what I believe or what is popular or, you know, what the organization needs, et cetera. So that concept of doing it anyway, to me, is is the first one that comes up. And then, you know, the other, the other one for me is we all experience setbacks of some form, right? Whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's, you know, emotional or even mental being in situations where we get knocked down. And to me, bravery is also, and I know it, it, it has become cliche, but it still is true, is getting up at least one more time than you're knocked down and doing it anyway, even though you know there may be another blow coming. 
you know, I love that model of doing it anyway. You know, one of the concepts that somebody had shared previously on the podcast had been bravery happens when the need to do something exceeds the reasons not to. And prior to that, the reasons not to exceeded the reasons to do it, right? So the reasons not to were always bigger or more important, and it really suppressed the need to do something. And at some point, due to some event or time or recurrence of activity, whatever it might be, the need to do something exceeds uh, the reasons not to. And that's when someone says, look, I've got to say something. I've got to do something. I'm going to do it. And I think that's a little bit of like doing it anyway, right? It's yeah. even truncating that a little bit and saying, look, this is something that needs to get done. And whether we do it now or do it later, it needs to happen. Yeah. And it's, you know, it often feels like you are the lone voice that is is willing or is brave enough or is foolish enough, right? <laughs> Depending on the perspective, <laughs> um, to, to stand up and speak up and be that, that lone dissenter against uh, what everybody else is doing or the direction that everybody else is going. And it's it's hard to be that that lone voice, especially in a corporate environment that, you know, really incentivizes you to go along in the direction of, you know, the party line or or what the group wants. And there are reasons for that, right? You can't have chaos in a corporate structure. I get that. It is when you become that voice that stands up anyway, and that voice that drowns out those uh, those dissenters, you know, and, and even those those seeds of doubt in your own head, that to me is really brave. Yeah, I think part of what you're describing is that oftentimes it's a process, right? It's a process mm-hmm. of moving forward. And sometimes you need people that you can run your idea by, right? If you feel that you're alone and you could say, hey, Ed, I wanted to share something with you before I share it with Claire. Can you just listen to this idea for a couple of minutes, poke some holes in it, mm. you know, see what I could be saying a little bit differently to polish it so that when I do go in and see Claire, it's not the first time I've talked about it, but you know, maybe even the third or fourth time that I've talked about it. It's And it's so funny you just said that because, um, and I had forgotten this little element, but when I was still on medical leave and had sort of answered that voice in my head, was I doing what I was passionate about? you know, the answer came back that it was no. And I started to formulate, okay, what would pursuing my passion look like? There was a, a gentleman that I had worked with. He was an outside consultant that I had worked with quite a bit in my corporate role. And he was the first person I called uh, while I was still on leave. And exactly to your point, I said, here's what I'm going through. Here's my epiphany, if you will. Tell me if I'm crazy right? Be that first voice that says, uh, okay, Claire, let's let's slow your roll here. You've been through a traumatic experience, but you're not thinking clearly, right? And so, you know, I, I think t- you hit it on the head. I think there, you do need to, you don't need somebody who's going to be a yes man to you and just think that everything you're doing is brilliant, but you do need somebody that you trust who knows you well enough to know whether this is a flight of fancy or truly an awakening to the path you're supposed to be on. And he, you know, before I even finished getting my thought out, he said, this is exactly what you need to be doing. And I'm so glad you're stepping into, you know, following the path that you really, you, you really were meant for. You know, he could see it. And it was just, it was just so validating. I wasn't seeking his approval, but I was just wanting to make sure Hey, am I am I nuts here, or is this something I could really make a go of? So you know, having that, seeking out that first voice 
that you trust to tell you the truth is super, super important. Yeah. And to your point, it's not a yes man, but I oftentimes are looking for a no person, Mm -hmm. somebody who's going to say, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? What about this? What about that? Because that's what oftentimes the direction people will go in when you least expect it. You've spent so much time talking about all the positives that you haven't thought enough about any of the negatives. And that's where you want to spend some of your time. How about you, Claire? Do you have a story that you'd love to share with our listeners about bravery in the workplace? I would say, you know, still, still in that same, in that same time frame, this is something that just so resonated with me. So the, the morning of my surgery, I woke up and I had worked up until the, the, the day before that, uh, two days before that, just because I was just trying to get everything settled at work. And I woke Of course up you at, did. Yeah, well, of you know, I mean, you got to kind of get everything. You looked at email that morning. Sure, right, right, right. I did, actually. <laughs> it was the last time for three weeks. Um, and I woke up that morning, and I knew that surgery was ahead of me. And it, like I'm sure a lot of people have gone through, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go through that day, right? It was, it was just something that I had no choice you know, it was not something where I was like, well, I can learn to live with the the three tumors that are sitting inside me right now. You know, I, I didn't have that choice, but I was just, I was so overwhelmed and feeling intimidated by what I was about to go through. And the phone rang and it was uh, a very close colleague of mine who was calling to wish me luck. And that was moving enough, but this was a person who was still in the hospital because two days before that, she had had surgery, a very dramatic, much more intensive surgery than I was about to go through for her own cancer. Mm. And I hung up the phone and I thought, this is someone who I never saw, I never saw this, this radical cancer that she had to battle get the best of her. And she was going through so much more than I was. And she didn't call me to tell me that. She called to Mm -hmm. say, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. You can do this. And I hung up the phone and I thought, if she can go through what she just went through and call me while she's still recovering in the hospital, I can get out of my own way and put on my big girl pants and go and get this done. And so for me, you know, that was, she was always such a brave role model for me where I felt like I was the biggest, you know, biggest coward and biggest chicken. And oh my gosh, I'm going to have, you know, there's needles involved and I'm a big needle phobe, right? And, and all of this. And so, you know, she to me is the epitome of bravery because she went through so much more before, during, and after my own experience, you know, that it just by comparison, I summoned internal bravery because I was, you know, dealing with my own cancer alongside what she was battling. Wow. Well, I love that story because I think what I'm hearing is bravery sometimes isn't what you do, but what someone else gives you, right? That they help you be brave. Yeah. You know, by demonstrating bravery yourself, you help others be brave as well. Truly, you know, and, and, uh, you know, just like, other things are are infectious, and we all, we often think of the word infectious to the negative. Bravery can be infectious, can be contagious. You know, if you if you surround yourself with the right people and the right voices, and and she was absolutely a a beacon or a standard bearer of bravery for me, no question. Wow, wow. 
Well, Claire, thank you so much for being on our podcast today and sharing that fantastic story. Do you have any ways that folks can get in touch with you, either to talk about your business or to share a little bit more about your story? Absolutely. Uh, by email, they can reach me at Claire, that's C-L-A-I-R-E, at talentboost.net, or they can check out my website at clairechandler.net. Terrific. Well, once again, Claire, thank you so much for your time today, and it was great speaking with you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, Overcast, CastBox. We are everywhere. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.